Welcome to the Word Made Plain with Senior Pastor Tony Clark of Calvary Chapel, Newport News in Virginia. Currently, Pastor Tony is teaching through the book of Joshua. Please open your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, as we make our journey through the book of Joshua. Father, thank you so much for this tremendous opportunity to study your word. We pray that your word will build us up, Lord, where we're torn down and strengthen us where we're weak, that the word of God would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Lord, that the word of God would show us the way to go. It would show us and lead us into paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord, teach us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter one. The title of this message is The Road to Success. The Road to Success. There are many books written on how to have success in life. But success for most people is accumulating more things. Bigger homes, newer cars, higher paying salaries and higher paying jobs. However, we have seen that these things, they come and they go. So success from the world standard can be very temporary and very fleeting. We see this all the time. In chapter one of this book, Joshua is going to be told how to experience success God's way. Because as the people of God, we want, we want to be looked upon uh, as the people of God, but we want to have success God's way. We we don't want to do things the world's way. The world's way of success is stepping on other people. It's, it's cheating to get to the top. For many people, they have slept their way to the top. And that, that's the world's way. As people of God, how are we to look at success? How are we to look at this thing? How do we know if we're being quote-unquote successful? And I believe this book tells us, this chapter especially. Now, the Israelites are on the border of the promised land. The book of Deuteronomy ends with the death of Moses, and now it was Joshua's turn to assume the leadership of leading them into the promised land. Let's look at verses 1 through 9 to get the context. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea, uh, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. 
only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law should not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may do it or that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. Great verses here. Some powerful things God wants to say to us through these verses. In these verses, we see after Moses died, God spoke to Joshua in verse 1. I find something amazing in this verse. It says that Moses died, and then it says the Lord spoke to Joshua. I want you to notice how it wasn't immediate that God spoke to Joshua. It says, watch this, don't miss this phrase, it came to pass. That the Lord spoke to Joshua, meaning that there was a considerable amount of time that passed before God spoke to Joshua. To give you a a sample, an example of what I'm saying here with this phrase, and it came to pass. This phrase is used in the book of Genesis and right around chapter four, uh, dealing with Cain and Abel. And the phrase is used, and it came to pass. And if you look at it, and if you study it closely, 120 years passed. So it's letting you know that this phrase, and it came to pass, means that a considerable amount of time had passed before God spoke to uh, Joshua. Oh, I'm sure that he was nervous, he was worried, he was concerned, and wondering what was going on. Is God going to speak to me? What am I to do? When are we going to be instructed to go into the promised land? However, we see him wait and God spoke. Oh, this is a valuable lesson to learn. Can we wait until God speaks to us? Can we wait until what God is going to say to us, he's going to say? Can we wait? Can we wait? Or or like Joshua You know, can we wait like he did on the voice of the Lord to speak, to instruct us to go to the next thing? Well, this is a lesson we need to learn because don't move until God speaks to you. Oh, we see this in sports. We see this in sports because Joshua was a man waiting his turn. Can you wait your turn? Or are you so impatient that you're just going to run? You're going to force this thing, this this position that you think you should be in. But can you wait your turn? Like I said, we see it in sports. We have seen Hall of Fame quarterbacks who sat and waited uh, until it was their turn. For example, Steve Young sat behind Joe Montana. Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre. Tom Brady sat behind Drew Bledsoe. So here is Joshua waiting. He is backing up, so to speak, Moses. And it was finally, finally his turn to leave. Oh, God tells him in verse 2, Moses, don't miss this next 
phrase. Moses, my servant, is dead. <laughs> this is what we need to realize is that we are all servants. When we begin to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, like Romans 12, 3 says, is when we will begin to be on our way down. The Greek word for minister is diaknos. It's where we get our English word deacon from. It just means a servant. God tells Joshua, Moses, notice, my servant is dead. Cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving you. He says, every place, verse 3 says, that the sole of your feet touches I have given you. God tells Joshua in verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this had to bring great comfort to Joshua's soul. And what a beautiful promise to us as well. We see this in the New Testament and in Hebrews 13 and verse 5, God says to us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And you've heard me say many times in the Greek language is more emphatic. It says, I will never, no, never, no, never leave you nor forsake you. And maybe you're here and you feel alone and you feel forsaken by people or even by God. Please realize that he is always near. He is only one prayer away. The question is, can we still walk with God when we feel alone or when we feel forsaken? Can we still wait on God when we, like Joshua, had not heard from God in some time? Or will we make some rash decision? What we do like King Saul did when he was waiting to hear a word from the Lord uh, uh, through the prophet Samuel in, in 1 Samuel 13 and verses 8 through 15. And because he got impatient, he offered up a sacrifice. And right when he did, Samuel came and said, so what did you, what did you just do? What did you just do? And he he gave some sorry excuse to try to justify his disobedience, which had grave consequences for him, Saul was told that his kingdom would have an end. See, can we wait our turns like Joshua? Or will we end up like King Saul experiencing the consequences of our impatientness? There are jobs people have left prematurely, I believe, because uh, you couldn't wait and in your pride, oh, I say pride because you start to say, oh, they don't appreciate me at this company. They don't appreciate me at this duty station. They don't appreciate me at, at this, at this shipyard. They don't appreciate me here or at this store. And you leave prematurely. But if you had only waited like Joshua and been a servant, like Moses, you would have gotten the position that you're now chasing from job to job. Oh, there are many people that's fallen into this, this condition here. Oh, the question is, how do we know that we are on the road to success? How do we know? What Are there some signs? How do we know that we are ready for that higher position? When we are a humble servant like Joshua, 
God tells him in verse six, be strong and of good courage. Then in verse seven, only be strong and very courageous. God was telling Joshua this because he felt weak. He felt without courage and inadequate for the task. Oh, don't miss this point. He he felt weak. But see, when we think that we're ready for a job, when we're we're ready for a position, nine out of 10, you're not ready. Because when you think you're ready, you're not ready. Because then, you know, it's like when you, you know, when you say, I'm very humble, uh, you ruined it. Because <laughs> when you think you're humble, now you're prideful. You're prideful about being humble. Humble is something that other people say about you. You don't say about yourself. You know, so nine out of ten, you're not ready. It's your pride telling you that you're ready. Another sign that shows that we're on the road to success and ready for what God has for us, we will start off just being a servant. Oh, I mentioned this earlier, but I want to go deeper on this idea and use Joshua as an example. Joshua starts off serving Moses in Exodus chapter 17 when he was given the task of leading the Israelites into battle against the Amalekites. And can we be faithful in the small things like Luke 16 verse 10 says, when we're faithful in what is little, then he'll give us a little bit more. Can we be faithful? Like Zechariah uh, 4.10 says, don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't do that. Don't despise those days. God is doing something. He's trying to see if we can be faithful over the little things first before he gives us more. Then we see Joshua serving Moses in Exodus chapter 24 when he waited for Moses to come down from Mount Sinai. During that time, he was learning patience, learning how to wait. And all he was doing, Moses, you know, Moses went up on the very top of the mountain to to meet with God, to get the Ten Commandments. Joshua was right there, maybe halfway down, just waiting, just, just waiting on Moses. He was learning patience. He was learning how to wait. He was there making himself available for anything Moses needed. Joshua was used by God because he was simply there. He made himself available to be used by Moses. It is still true. The greatest ability is availability. See, we see Joshua serving Moses in Numbers 13, and he was sent out as one of the 12 spies to survey the promised land, and he was one of the ones who brought back a good report. Why did God use the women to be the first ones entrusted with carrying the message of the resurrection? I'm not going to say any jokes about, about that. Not because they, he knew y'all would run your mouth and it gets spread. I'm not going to say anything about that. That's a man's joke. That's an inside joke with men there. But why, why is it that the Lord entrusted the message of the resurrection to women? You know why? Simply because they were there. They were there. They made themselves available. They were the last ones at the cross and the first ones at the tomb. They were there. What about you? Are you available for God to use you? 
Or are you too busy with the busyness of life to be used by God? Are you a servant on your job? Or are you just waiting in your pride until they hopefully promote you? Joshua was a servant, he was humble, and he was available. What about you? You you look at people who are used by God. One of the things I'm so I'm so thankful. I really understand that verse. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. I remember when we 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 were still in California. I just got out of the Marine Corps. I got out of the Marine Corps and then I started working for the cable company. And uh we were going to Calvary uh Vista in Vista, California. And every time I got off work, I had an hour drive to work and, and from. Every time I got home, you know, and drove back, hey, I, I, I headed to the church. I just wanted to make myself available. Now, keep in mind, I was just at a church. I had been there for four years where I was uh, one of the assistant pastors. And I go to Calvary Vista and Nobody knows that sitting in the back or they, you know, they in the back, they had last two rows for people, you know, it was before the nice little number coming up. It was before those times they used to come give you the tap. Little Johnny needs you back there. So you had to sit in the back so they can tap you and get you on out of there before those nice numbers, you know, before that time. And so I just made myself available. The next thing you know, they was like, hey, you know, can you teach this new believers class? I said, okay, no problem. I got you. Hey, can you, this small group, can you do it? No problem. I got, I made myself available. And God used me. The next thing you know, after a couple of years, then my pastor tapped me on the shoulder and asked me to come on full time. See, that's one of the things we do here. We bring people on full time what they were already doing as a volunteer. See, so that means the folks are homegrown. They're homegrown here. And, and, and we bring them on to, to, to do what they already been doing. They're, people make themselves available. You see people being used up here on the worship team. You see people uh, serving the children's ministry, the youth and all that. You know why they're serving? They make themselves available. And what about are you too busy? Are you too busy with the busyness of life to make yourself available? And you wonder why it's like, wow, man, that person, yeah, I didn't know. Look at what they're doing. How did they get to do that? They just said, I'm here. Here are my skills. Here's what I can do. And we're like, okay, all right. Okay, come on. There's plenty of room for you. No matter what your skills and gifts are, there's room for you. There's room for you. Or, or, hold on to your seat. Or, are you going to just prostitute your gift? You use your gift to make you money out there. And you come in the church and just sit. I call that prostituting because your prostitute uses her body or uses his body for money, to get money. And there are many people who are very gifted, very talented. And they're making big money out there and they come in the church and sit. No matter what your skills, your gift, no matter how you're gifted, there is something for you to do in the kingdom of God. He wouldn't have gifted you that way. There's something to do. Oh, I just love little kids. and I can't run you to that children's ministry faster. I can't run you down there faster. There's many kids to rock and pray with and 
and lead to the Lord and give a crack or two and a cookie and all that. All, hey, you know, I just really, you know, I just love junior, junior high school kids. Praise the Lord. I can't shove you down there fast enough. Hey, let me take, no matter where you gifted. This is why I've told our church several times, several times that our church should never have to ask for volunteers for the children or youth or youth ministry. We should never have, because there's more educators, there's more teachers, principals, vice principal, all kind of folks that, that you're using your gift to make you money that and you're like, uh, when I get home, I don't want to see another kid. Hey, hey, hey. I know, I understand that. But see, here's the thing. You got to understand that, you know, those kids, see, you can't really talk to them and pray with them and talk to Jesus without somebody getting crazy and, you know, but you can do that here. You can do it here. See, the reason why you're in the school system is because God placed that on your heart. He's gifted you to be with kids in some kind of fashion. And now you're letting the system just burn you out. Hey, let me tell you, you're gifted for a reason. And and so the greatest ability is availability. Another sign that shows that you're on the road to success, you will be a person of the word of God. God tells Joshua in verse 7 that you may observe to do according to all the law. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper and have success wherever you go. The road to success is paved with the word of God. It guides us. It shows us where to go. I quoted this verse in in the opening prayer, Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my pathway. And if we want to prosper, we are told like Joshua was not to depart to the right or to the left. Well, you know, here's the thing. We're not to depart from the word of God. So you say, okay, okay, okay. I, I come on Sundays, I come on Wednesday, I get that words, but 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 how often should I meditate on the word of God? Well, verse eight says that we ought to meditate on the word of God day and night. The Hebrew word for meditate is haga, H A G A H. H A G A H is an amazing Hebrew word, and it means to mutter to murmur it, it 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 gives the idea of of speaking constantly speaking the scriptures over and over again it is the same word that is used to describe when a cow chews its cud it eats the grass and chews on it and then later on it barfs it up and chews on it some more getting all the nutrients out of the grass that it can get And this is what we're called to do with the word of God. We're to meditate on it in the morning and throughout the day. We are to barf up those verses, getting all the nutrients out of the word of God. Then at night, meditate some more on the scriptures. So the last thought, the last thought on our minds before we go to bed is the word of God. The first thought on our mind. 
when we wake up is the word of God. We wake up and get into the word. Before long, guess what will happen? We will have the mind of Christ, like Philippians 2.5 instructs us. This is a theme throughout the Bible. In Psalm 119, verse 147 and 148, you understand Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm uh, 119, verse 147 and 148, it talks about meditating David, meditating day and night on the word of God. In Psalm 1, in verse 2, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Isaiah 26, in verse 9, talks about meditating day and night on God. What do you meditate on day and night? Your status on social media? Who likes or dislikes your latest posts? You know, we're such a needy, a needy society that we, we, we gain some sort of validation by the amount of likes or dislikes on social media. If the Word Made Plain has been a source of inspiration and encouragement to you, why not consider becoming a Word Made Plain giving partner to keep this listener-supported program on the air? As a giving partner, you join forces with Calvary Chapel Newport News' kingdom vision of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can make your tax-deductible gift online at calvarynn.org or send your gift of any amount to 15553 Warwick Boulevard, Newport News, Virginia, 23608 and receive a gift from Calvary Chapel Newport News as our thank you. In addition to your financial support, we ask that you pray for the Word Made Plain broadcast, that it touches hearts and generates change in the lives of people around the world. We pray you've been blessed by God's Word today and hope you'll tune in next time to hear The Word Made Plain.